give you some you saw it, that there were iguanas falling off trees. Anybody, anybody see that? Yeah, and they're cold-blooded, so they, it was like 40 degrees, and they were falling out of trees, and they were stiff as boards. You can actually pick up with a tail. They were just stiff. Then you put them somewhere where it's warmer, and they kind of, like, come to, I guess. Because, yeah, really, it's true. And uh, it's kind of crazy how cold it's been. But God knows. God's good. Amen. Praise God. And um, we're grateful that we have all that, that, that we need and that uh, we have heat. I mean, that's, that's like, this is when you're like, thank you, Lord, for... Even if it's oil and it's going cha-ching, 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 we're still thankful for heat, right? Praise God. Praise God. Yes. And praise God. That's, that's a good point. We thank God that with this last storm, we didn't really hear of any power outages. Um, everyone's doing well, and we're just, we're just grateful for that, and, and that's, that's a blessing. So praise God for that too. Amen? Um, I want to ask, if you're uh, between the ages of 5 and 10, it's time for Super Church. And... Um, you can stand up and um, follow Mr. Jimmy out. He's got something fun for you going on. And um, so follow him out. Um, be blessed as you learn about the Lord and fellowship. And as they make their way out, I'm just going to ask you to kind of turn around and say hi to someone. Um, just greet them this morning. Take a minute. Jeff. All right. Praise the Lord. If we can work back to our seats. Just want to, again, as we mentioned earlier, want to wish you a, a happy new year. And um, just want to praise God with you. I know for, for so many of you... Um, some of you are really, really happy that 2017 is over, um, and understandably so in some cases, but at the same time, God is still so good, isn't he? He's faithful even through all the stuff, and some of you are like, man, I want another 2017. Well, praise God, we'll pray that that happens this year, and so, but I want to wish you a happy new year, and, and I just want to encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus. That's, that's, that's all that matters. Keep your eyes on Jesus, amen? Stay in his word, keep your eyes on him. This morning we're in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 to 9, and um, kind of like, uh, I think it was my wife, she was praying to thank God that we would be strong and courageous, and we're going to be actually looking at those words, and that's repeated three times in our text this morning, um, to be strong and courageous. But Joshua chapter 1, and um, again, 
the text this morning, when some of us are familiar with what's happening in Joshua, there's, there's this transition happening and there's a, there's a movement into the promised land that's going on um, with Joshua's leadership and the leadership being handed over from Moses to Joshua. Uh, Moses was not going into the promised land. Um, that's a whole other sermon as to why not. Um, but Joshua's going in. He's been trained under Moses. He's seen the example. He's been taught uh, the law, uh, leadership principles, all kinds of stuff that went on there. If you read the scriptures in, uh, in, the, in the first five, in Deuteronomy in particular, and, and, um, and it's, it's powerful um, how Joshua is raised up by God, obviously, but under the, the tutelage of and just being taught by Moses. They're, they're ready to go into the promised land. They've been wandering around forever. And, you know, without kind of doing injustice to like over-spiritualizing or something, you know, and, and running that danger, but there's a parallel. Because when they're going to be going into this new land, it's kind of like going into a new year. For, for some of us, I know on the calendar, oh, it's another day. January 1st comes, oh, it's January 7th already, and it just, we just, it rolls on. But for some of us, psychologically and just for other reasons, like, we are glad 2017 is done. And, and again, understandably so. And so it's like a turning, it's, it's a new start, it's a new year. And so I want to encourage you to, to kind of make an application here as they're moving into a new land, we're moving into a new year. And there's some things that we can learn and how to succeed and be prosperous. Because God gives us how and shows us how we can, we can do that. Um, and to be successful, that's something that we all want. By the way, God, God didn't create you. There's no evidence in the Bible that God didn't create you as his, if you're, especially if you're his child in particular and specifically, if you're a child of God, God did not create you. God did not call you and save you so that you would fail. He didn't do that. In fact, it, I don't think it's really possible because God is great and we're not. God is all powerful and we're not. God has a plan that doesn't change and ours do change. God did not save you. God did not call you. God did not cleanse you from your sin so that you could fail. God did not do that. There might be failings that we have along the way, but he didn't call us to fail. He didn't do that. God wants us to succeed and to blossom and to flourish. And so, you know, I'm sure that your intention this morning sitting here is not to be like, hey, I'm going to leave after we say the last prayer. I'm going to leave and go out into the world, go to my home, do whatever I do. And I want to just fail in everything that I do. Like, I don't think that's not our intention or our desire. Sometimes we feel like that's all we do and that that's what happens in our life. But God still has a plan, especially if you're a child. He has a plan for you if you're his child. And he's not going to let you fall down and drown. He's going to save you and pull you out and lead you and guide you. Each one of us has had the experience, of course, of, of being, finding ourselves lost when we're driving. Why do we get lost? We get lost because we're either not paying attention. We have the wrong directions which even the GPS has sometimes, or we have no directions at all. And we just kind of are wandering, really. And, but since God loves us so much, and he loves you so much, even if you aren't his child, I just want to tell you that God loves you so much that he's given us an instruction manual. He's given us a way to know how we can succeed and how we can glorify him, how we can benefit and, and be blessed living this life while we're here on earth. And it's called the Bible. He's given us this manual. He's written this to show what he thinks about us and how he wants us to live for him. And he's shown us how to do it right here. We run so fast to all the, the newest seminars and conferences and this great speaker and this and that. We're looking online for this person and this resource and, and this new method of dieting or this new exercise or this fad and trend. And I'm, some of them are good. 
But God's already given us right here. And do we really believe it? How we can glorify him and how we can best live our life here on this earth. He's shown us how to do that. Amen. I, I mean, I believe that. And, and, he's, and the, the Bible clearly shows us and teaches us, if you read from the beginning to the end, how we ought to do that. Most people think, and we'll read our scripture in a second, but most people think of success as, as an end result or an end. It's a result that they get um, when they've aimed for something and they've gotten there. They've achieved something. They've accomplished something. They've gotten to a destination. And in some ways, there's accuracy with understanding um, success in that way. You've set out a goal. You've gotten there. I've succeeded. The term itself implies success. You've got, you, 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 you successfully got somewhere. And so there's some truth in that. In other words, many times we, we get what we want. We wanted something over there. We got it. Whether it's in life or maybe it's a couple, couple years or three years, five years. And we get there and we've succeeded. We had success. Yes, I got this or I reached this goal. And those are good to have in our lives. And they, and they create for us milestones and markers for us along our journey. And we should have those. And that can, that can be a lot of times how we define success. And in most cases of apparent success in someone's life, the measurement of what success is has been a standard relative to the ideal of someone else's imagination. Like, you know, we always compare ourselves to someone. So we're successful if, or we're successful if I'm like, or I'll be successful if I get that because you fill in the blanks. And we have just a standard that's out there. And who's, who's establishing all those standards to define what our success should be and what it should look like or what it should feel like? But see, again, I go back to the Bible. And the Bible tells us what that success looks like. Success is simply doing things, God, things God's way and then leaving the results up to him. I know it sounds like, that doesn't really sound like a good definition, but it is. Because if you do things God's way and he told us how to do that, everything else that we do will fall in line with what he wants for us to do. And we get all the blessings that come as a result of that. And we have success and we have blessings in our life. No, there's no promise of a perfect life. It's just that we will have everything we need and it will always be there for us if we keep doing things his way. We will succeed. We will get to where he wants us to go when we put him first and we look to the manual in all cases. Um, Joe Aldrich, he wrote a book. It was called Satisfaction. And he makes this statement. He says, man spends his life doing things that he detests to make money that he doesn't want, although that's, I don't know, to buy things he doesn't need, to impress people he doesn't like. That, that's a, a, that, that is a reality that is absurd for too many people. Let me suggest to you that success is not being number one. It's not acquiring wealth. It's not having notoriety or even achievements and accomplishments. Those are all good and they're great and we praise God for them and he helps us. Many who are wealthy are actually not successful. They're miserable inside and they have all kinds of stuff going on that causes them to well, they just loathe life and loathe the people around them in life. And that's success? That's what it looks like? Again, based on some kind of a weird standard that's put out there by people. Success is simply, as I said, being faithful to God and leaving the results to Him. In other words, bring God pleasure by your life and everything you do. 
And this is how you and I, this is how we will find the things that we really want. If you want peace of mind, if you want joy in your heart, if you want love that knows condition for God and for others around you, then do things God's way and everything else will fall in line. Now, I'm not oversimplifying. This is really how it works. It really is this way. Then, so let's read our text. Just brief, the three verses in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. Again, right before they're going to be going to the promised land, this is what the word of God. We'll start in verse 6, actually. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only, again, and here we go in verse 7, repetition, only be strong and very courageous this time. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Just a little thought. It's funny that you do all that's written in it. Don't we love to, like, say, to do 98% of what's in it? To leave out 0.2% of what's in it. And here we had this command to do all that is written in it. In fact, he says it twice. For then, you will, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have success. Again, that word success. Have I not commanded you? And the third time, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's with you everywhere you go. So be strong and courageous. Don't don't run away in the face of fear. Go right at it. When you do things God's way, you can be assured he won't leave you or forsake you. Even when you don't, he still chases you down, doesn't he? Because he loves you so much. And the first and most important step, see, there's no secret to success. God makes it very plain and clear. And the first and most important step to this success is to love God's word. Love God's word and you will start to be along the path to success. But there's a problem, if I could call it that, sort of, in our day and age. And it's, it's actually always been there. The world that we live in wants nothing to do with the word of God. In fact, from the beginning, there was this thought put in there into Adam and Eve in the garden that they should have nothing, that they should put to the side, at least in some portion, what God's word was and what God has act, had actually spoken. And today we have had more and more of that happening at a progressively faster rate where the word of God is being discarded, ignored, or just trampled on, revised, changed to mean whatever we want it to mean. It's happening all the time. But can I just say that the first step is to simply love God's word as it is. All of it. Not just your favorite parts, but to love the word of God. He's given you a manual and you need to read all of it. How many of you... Have ever had, you bought something, and it might have been small, it might have been a simple electronic device. At least you, it is simple, right? But it's new, and, you, and maybe you got a new whatever it is. And you opened it up, and you're like, oh, I know how to work it. You push the buttons, it's working, it's functioning. And then two days later, you realize that on this little electronic device, there's a button on the back that you have no idea what it's for. And now you're like, oh no, where's the instruction manual? I threw it in the recycle bin like three days ago. It's gone. It's, it's going to the recycle. You know, it's getting recycled. That's, it's gone. So let me look online. Let me try, now, now all of a sudden you need that manual because you want to know what that little tiny switch does on that device you bought. Because you have no idea. 
And so you're searching frantically to find out what it is. Don't we do that so often in our lives? We take the word of God and we think that we've mastered. We've, we know the basics. We know all the stuff. And then, but there are, all these, there are all these little buttons in our life. And then we wonder, how do they work? What are they for? Or different situations or contexts where our attitude is put to the test. Or where our emotions are put to the test. Or whatever it is. And then we're like, what do I do? What do I do? And you know what? But we have kind of put the instruction manual near the recycle bin, or unfortunately for some people, maybe even in the recycle bin. God says, don't discard it. Don't throw it. Love the word of God. Keep it close at hand because there's going to come a little button in your life that you've got to figure out what it means and what it does. You need the instruction manual. Life does that to us. All the things that we find ourselves in, we need to keep referring to the manual to know how to navigate all those little things that happen and do it in a way that pleases God. You know, most people know the Bible, or at least some of the Bible. They, they know or something about the Bible. Most people could even tell you, and I give you and explain to you this, that they have a vague knowledge of Moses parting the sea and there were some kind of plagues before that and this and that and there, were, there was some guy, Jesus, and he died. They'll tell you, they can tell you like some of the key things in the Bible in, in, the, in the story of, of redemption there, but, but really they could care less to even really read it. Never mind applying it to their lives and living by it. And... Um, It's just another book to them. That's all it is. But as Joshua was warned and told, he said, and he was encouraged, to be strong and to be courageous, and even in this day and age, to take the word of God and to have the courage to live by the standard, by the standard that God has already set, even in this day and age. God doesn't change. His mind doesn't change every other day. What he has put out as being the truth is the truth. And God draws lines. And when they're clear, God doesn't change those lines. And today that's happening more and more. And so listen, you need to be strong and courageous because you'll be confronted with this all the time. You know what? We're living within this melting pot. And the world has always been this way, but especially now and even here in the States, that it's a melting pot of all these ideas that people have. It's a melting pot of multiple religions, philosophies that are floating around and intersecting and, and, and colliding. And American ideals, if, if that, I don't even know what that means anymore. Like All this, these ideas people have and other men's dreams and ideas, of re, just all these things that are happening out there. And before Moses died, he told Joshua and the whole nation that God's law In Deuteronomy, he said that God's very words are not just idle words for you. They are your life, he said. They are words of life. It takes courage today to stand on God's principles and truths when popular opinions say it's all a myth. It's all a myth. It's all made up. Your resolve will be tested with a resounding, you believe that book? You believe that book? Maybe not in those words, but that comes all the time. But we have, we have reason to be strong and courageous. God said that he would be with us wherever we go. And with whomever we talk to, God would be with us. And he is reliable and he's trustworthy by always doing what he said he would do. In fact, we just celebrated Christmas, the birth of Christ. Praise God that he was born for us. Amen. But you know what? That all happened because God did what he said he would do. 
All the prophecies, all the things God said that he would bring and send a Messiah came to pass. It came true. It really happened 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, that Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, was born here on this earth. God keeps his word and he does it all the time. Read the Bible. Thousands of instances where God says something and he meant it and he stayed true to his word. He did it. Always true to his word. Now, it's interesting. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, we talk about the Word of God and how we need to love it and base our life on it. Jesus shares a story about two guys who are building a house. One guy builds a house on the sand. It was really heartbreaking to see in the news um, the other day in Massachusetts with the high tide and all the water coming in and breaking seawalls and getting into houses and just stuff kind of like shifting with these foundations and damaging. But on the beach there, on the sand. And Jesus makes... tells a story about this guy who builds in the sand, a house. And he says the storms came, the wind came, the water rose, all this, and the sand washes away, and as a result, the house just, it's gone. It's gone, it washes away. There's nothing nothing solid to stand on. Then he says another guy, the wise guy, he says, he, he, he builds on rock, on something that's solid, it's fixed, it's not moving, it's there. And things got crazy. The wind blew, it was howling, the waters rose, the rain came, and when it was all over, his house still Stood And Jesus was really talking about this house, us, your life. What are you building your life on? He's saying, if you're wise and if you're going to be the person who stands for the long haul, you're going to be the one who takes my words, obeys them, applies them to his life, and you'll stand through anything. Any opposition, any storm, anyone who says, you believe that? You believe the Bible? If you keep holding on to that, you'll make it. You're standing on something solid is what Jesus said. And you can build on sand, which is anything but the Word of God, or you can build on the Word of God and stand all the way until you see Jesus face to face. God's Word gives you a rock-solid base that can never be destroyed no matter how tough life becomes. And it's hard sometimes, but you can stand on His Word. Our love for God's Word is evidenced by our meditation upon it. Joshua is given instruction to meditate on it day and night. Meditation is the focusing of your thoughts and your attention on God's word. And Psalm 1 says in verse 1 and 2, How blessed or how happy is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he he meditates day and night. How blessed is that man. The idea of meditation... And it's of, of focusing and thinking and repeating. It's like, I remember Pastor Mike was sharing this, uh, I don't know, it was a while ago, a year or two. He was in a sermon. He was talking about the idea of meditation and that, that um, ruminating. And it's, you take that piece of candy in your mouth, you keep rolling it over in your tongue. Like you get as much out of it as you can. You're enjoying it so much and you're trying to remember the flavor and savoring it. It's the same thing with meditation. You keep thinking about it and filling yourself with that. So you remember that and you remind yourself and you're almost like, I remember when I was cramming for tests. I never crammed for exams. Well, no, I, I did. Um, when I was in college, and you're, you're getting ready for exams, and you, you're, you're walking around, and you're like, you're muttering, you're like mumbling, and you're, you're repeating things, you're memorizing, and you can almost like, people think you're like weird or crazy, but you're walking in the room, in the dorm room, or in the, wherever, and you're just, you're saying things, you're repeating yourself, and your, your lips are moving, you're not really speaking, but you're meditating, and you're, in your mind, and you're, you're almost saying it without audibly saying it, but you're You keep repeating it, and you're focusing on it. And the Hebrews meditated, again, by muttering or murmuring in in almost in this inaudible way. They did that all the time. That's what the meaning is there. Gordon Smith wrote a book. It's a really good book, by the way. It's called On the Way. And it's about our spiritual journey as Christians and all the different things we face and how we navigate and how we practice all the things that God wants us to in our life. He said that what we think is what we will become. 
Now, that's consistent with what Proverbs says. Proverbs says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. We're going to become what we think and where, we, where our foundation is, what we meditate on, and how much we love the Word of God or something else. The result of meditating on the Bible is that our mind will be informed by truth. Amen? We'll be informed by truth. Who doesn't want that? I mean, it seems like a lot of people don't. But I do. I want that. Don't you want to be informed by truth? That which is fixed, it's standing, it's not going to change, and it'll guide us. My mind will be renewed when I meditate, and I can think accurately about my world, about God, and then myself. And then I succeed when I read and meditate on his word, because I know how to navigate and go and make decisions as I walk this walk. How King David understood this principle. So many times in the Psalms, he repeatedly declared that his meditation on the word of God or the precepts of God or the law of God brought him comfort, perspective, joy, peace, and confidence for life. We've got to love God's word if we're going to succeed. And today we are confronted with information overload, aren't we? I mean, it's all there. If we want it, we go, we get it online. We, it's everywhere. It's at our fingertips, so much of it. But even so, we get so much coming at us all the time. You know, I know that for me personally, I have like a million voices in my head. And um, I, I don't have issues. I just, I just have a lot of things going on in my head. Like just with... Life and Preston wanting that and Cohen wanting that and then, you know, Sharon wanting that or whatever and I'm wanting this and someone else is wanting that and this voice is just all the things clamoring for our attention all the time, pulling us and tugging and just all the noise in our head in our life and being injected into our mind by the, all the media that I encounter, not to mention, again, all the people in our lives. And sometimes I feel like I don't even know what I'm thinking because it's just so like, don't you feel that way sometimes? And that's when I need to stop and meditate on the word of God. Take one phrase of truth from the word of God and you will reorient and recenter and things will kind of just get lined up again. Perspective. Seeing things God's way. Have you meditated on God's word today? Have you really read and processed what he has said in the pages of the Bible? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, The heart of God opens itself to us in God's word. Others have said it in different ways, but the same thing. When we read God's word, he he just gives us his heart. This is his revelation to us. He tells us about himself and how he views the world and you and all the different issues around us. And he opens his heart to us. When we read his word and we do it prayerfully and humbly and we submit to it and take him at his word and he speaks to us. Do you want to know what God thinks about you today? Do you want to know how much he loves you today? Do you want to know what his plan is for you today and for the future? Do you want to know that, uh, or do you want to be reminded that God never abandons you? Do you want to be reminded and know that you can succeed, you will succeed because you're a child of God and you refer to the instruction manual? Somebody said that we should let the mind of the master Jesus be the master of our mind. With the word of God at the forefront of our mind and in our heart, you'll be able to keep a good attitude. So when you love God's word, that's, it's all about that. You start to then meditate, you think about it, but then your attitude changes. Attitude is the key to living out the information that you have, in particular in the Bible. 
Attitude is your disposition or your outlook of, on life and the way you think about life and the world around you. Attitude is contagious. In the first service, I mentioned Wendy. Has, did anybody catch the contagious attitude that Wendy had about Operation Christmas Child? How many of you went to the festival we had in the fall? Well, most of you, a lot of you did, right? Because it's contagious. You, you're like, the excitement, the energy, the cause that we got to send all those boxes around the world to these kids. It was contagious. She had this attitude and energy that God was going to do this. He would provide and that we would be a blessing to so many. And she was bubbling over, right? Kind of got annoying sometimes. I tease her about that all the time, right? I tease her. We tease her. We tease her. It, it was, it, it's so, she was so positive and so filled with what she knew God was going to do that you couldn't help but like catch some of that. Maybe it's just me, but I, I mean, that was an amazing attitude. She's still got that attitude. It's great. It's wonderful. Attitude is contagious. And to be successful, you don't need money or to, to know the right people. That helps. But you just got to know God, especially as a child of his. Your, your circumstances do not. Let me say it again. They do not determine your success. Because remember, success is doing things God's way and leaving the results up to him. Your circumstances don't matter. Your attitude is influenced by a lot of things. But let me just tell you, in a plane, if I I, I could do it all over again, which obviously I can't, because reincarnation is not biblical. Um, Sorry, we can't go back and do things, right? But if I, I'd be, I would like to be an, I would love to be an, a pilot. I don't know why. I just like flying fascinates me. It's cool. Like I just, I just think it's really amazing stuff. And um, I love tracking the planes flying over my house on my little app that tells me the flight, what kind of plane it is, all that stuff. Like I just love that stuff, right? Well, in a plane, there's something called an attitude meter. Yeah, really, it's called an attitude meter. Does anybody know what an attitude meter is? What it, what it's for? Someone in first service did. It measures your angle, yes, from side to side and your pitch, whether you're going up or down, relative to the horizon. Okay, which, which it, it not, technically is, it's fixed, the horizon, right? So it measures whether you're going up or down or whether you're rolling too much or whatever. And both could be a problem because if you're going this too long, um, hello, it's not good. Um, if you're doing this too much too, um, you might get a little too high and you might have some compression issues and you got some other problems going on with air and oxygen and whatever else and engine fail, you know, things going on. So you got to be aware. It's, it's an attitude meter. It tells you, listen, God has given us an attitude meter. The problem is, is that we don't look at it enough. And so half the time we think everything is going fine, even though we feel like we might be in trouble and we're taking a really hard left and the horizon's like this, but the, 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 the meter's saying we're going like this, but we never look at it. And all the while, it's right in front of us. It might be even on your lampstand. And all the while, it's saying, you're going like this. You're going to crash, but we never look at it. God has given us an amazing instrument. It's an attitude meter. What's your attitude like? Is it good, bad, ugly? What is, is it contagious? Well, it's always contagious, but is it good or bad? Is it negative? Is it, po- is, it, is it positive or is it negative? Are you going up at the right angle that God wants you to so you can get to your destination? Or are you like this? It's not good. you got to pay attention to the attitude meter. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, um, we're reminded again that we have to renew our mind, as I mentioned earlier. And if you see, here's the thing. If you keep going to God's word and you watch your attitude, if you can see, because it's a matter of attitude and perspective, if you can see God's hand in everything, 
which it is. God, God, God's in control. He's sovereign, right? He does, nothing goes by without him knowing what's going on in your life. If you can see God's hand in everything, then you can put everything into God's hand. It comes easier to do that. You never leave his line of sight, and I know that's true because he promised it. Let me encourage you. You'll be successful. If you love God's word, if you have a good attitude, if you're meditating on the word of God, your success will ultimately be secured by the decisions you make to obey. See, here's the thing. You can have, all, you can have a good attitude. You can meditate on God's word. You can love God's word. But in the end, you can say all those things, but if it's not manifested by obeying God's word, you're not going to succeed. Joshua is told that he should do everything that is written in it, all of it, that he should do it all, that he obeys it, because then you'll be successful and you will prosper. Prosper. Don't turn to the left or right. Check the attitude meter. Stay straight. Stay on course. Keep doing it. Obey. Then you will be successful and prosperous. You will be successful if you love God's word and you do what he asks you to. So I encourage you, choose today to live with the mindset that you are called, chosen, and that you have a holy destiny if you're a child of God. No one can take that from you. No one can take that from you. The fact that you can choose is, is yours. It's your, something you own. You have. Choice is yours. You are faced with options daily, every day. And will you make decisions that comply with the instruction of God's word? Do not turn to the right or to the left. Meditate on it day and night. Do everything in it. To be successful is to fall in line with God's will, His way, to do it His way and leave the results to Him. It's always good. God always gives you amazing things when you obey Him. There's no secret to success. Love God's Word. Meditate on it. Have the right attitude. And then obey it. Just do it. That's how you'll succeed. Today, tomorrow, 2018, rest of your life and your journey. I want to leave you as we close this morning with the Apostle's word about Jesus, who's the ultimate example of what it means to be successful. It wasn't always good and perfect in his life, was it? I mean, he died, right? He suffered all kinds of things. But he was successful because he obeyed the Father all the way to the end, all the way home, so to speak. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, your attitude should be the kind that was shown to us by Jesus Christ, who though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as actually to die a criminal's death on a cross. Yet it was because of this that God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Love the word, have a good attitude, do what God tells you to, and you will, you will lead you to, to wise, godly, and God-pleasing decisions and choices you'll make in your life. And then we can hear and hold on to the words that Joshua heard. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Amen? It's going to be a great year. We're excited about what God's going to do. We're excited about what God's going to do in your life. I just pray that as you go, you keep your eyes on Jesus, you love his word, and you will prosper and succeed in all that you do. And God will be glorified 
He'll provide everything you need. Amen. Have a wonderful day. Have a blessed 2018. Let's bow our heads as we close. And as we leave, maybe share the love of Jesus everywhere we go. Father, we thank you so much for a new year, Lord. Thank you, God, for your word, that it never changes, it never grows old. Thank you that it's eternal. Thank you that as we read it, it does something to us. It always does. Lord, it confronts us with the realities of who we are um, in light of your holiness, your awesomeness, your power, your majesty. And thank you that it also reminds us and shows us that because of Jesus, we can come to you. So, Lord, today we just uh, surrender all things to you, Lord God. We ask you to guide us, give us your wisdom and that spirit of revelation that comes only from you so that we would know you better and we would make you known better. Lord, we thank you that your plan for us is to succeed and not to fail. We praise you and bless you for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen.